0: Welcome to the sixth episode of From Fear to Faith, a podcast series from Desiring Truth with Anne Absalom. Father, we pray that you will open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word. Amen. We yeah, finished uh, last time uh, with the word supplication from uh, Philippians chapter 4 and uh uh, Paul saying, do not be anxious for an ev- anything, um, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And we talked about supplication and how that's for particular specific needs and um, but I think that we saw in the last session that uh, our whole attitude when we pray is one of thankfulness one of rejoicing in the fact that we can come to the great God of the universe and ask him for all of our personal needs all of our issues we can lay our anxieties our cares on him uh, because he cares for us that's what first Peter chapter five tells us cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for us and um, actually there's a great example of it in um, in uh, Jeremiah in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah 32, Jeremiah is a prophet and he is prophesying to the people of Israel and they don't like what he's saying and actually they've put him in prison and at the same time Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the Babylonian empire, is besieging Jerusalem and Jerusalem's about to fall to him. And in that situation, The Lord comes to Jeremiah and tells him to do something that everyone else would have thought was crazy, to buy a field from his uncle. Now, everybody knows that you don't start buying property when a country is about to fall to a foreign dictator, but God wanted to show his people through Jeremiah that houses and fields and vineyards shall again be bought in this land. That's Jeremiah 32, 15. And uh, Jeremiah does what God tells him to do. And in verse 17, he says, our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched." arm nothing is too difficult for you and it is that understanding that Jeremiah had that Paul wants us to have nothing is too difficult for God that's why you don't need to be anxious about anything that's why you're able to rejoice in any and all situations because you are you are the child of a God who can do anything there is nothing that is impossible for God so Bring your requests to him. Bring your applications to him. Be detailed in your requests. Understand that he can do anything, that nothing is impossible for him. And understand that you have a God that will only do the very best for you. Sometimes we uh, don't ask God for things that seem to us too trivial or small to trouble God about. We think, well, I mean, uh, really you know these things are tiny things and I should be able to manage these things for myself but basically what God is saying to us through Paul in Philippians 4 is if a thing is big enough for you to be anxious about then that's the thing I want you to talk to me about and um uh, sometimes we need to be reminded of that and uh, there's a, a story actually an account of a woman who went once went up to a very famous British Bible teacher by the name of Campbell Morgan and what she said to him was do you think we should pray about the little things in our lives or just the big things and he answered with a most amazing answer he said madam can you think of anything in your life that is big to God and When I first read that, I thought, wow, that's just, that's just something I hadn't really seen before, that there's nothing in my life that God would look at and call big. We're talking to the God who created by simply speaking. We're talking about the God who is um, the provider of everything we need. He is the sustainer of the entire universe. We're talking to the God who decided that because we couldn't get to him, he would come to us in the form of his son. We are talking about a God who has made the victory for us in Christ Jesus through what to everyone else look like the defeat. We are talking about a God who is beyond our wildest dreams, who is able, Ephesians uh, 2 says, uh, tells us, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. I'm sorry, that's Ephesians 3 verse 20. This is the God we come to. So whenever you're anxious, whatever it's for, come to that God in, in specific prayer. Come to him on the basis that he has said, come to me come with all your questions, all your worries, all your anxieties, come to me and rejoice in the fact that you can come. And what will be the result when we do that? Philippians chapter 4 tells us we are promised God's incomparable peace when we pray look at chapter 4 of philippians verse 7 and the peace of god which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus paul is talking about the peace that comes from the God who is never subject to anxiety because he is the omnipotent God, the creator and Lord of the universe. This is the peace that Jesus promised. He said, peace I give you, not as the world gives. This is humanly not explainable, but it is real. And every child of God has known it and knows that it comes from God alone. And this peace isn't passive Look at what Paul says here. It actually stands guard over our inner person, our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We are in intimate, permanent union with the Lord Jesus and to get to us, anxiety must go through him. God is not promising just a quick fix where prayer is a technique that will help you to get to be calm until you get through the crisis Paul is talking about an ongoing deepening intimate relationship with the God who is peace he is talking about a relationship where everything in you wants to please him with all your thoughts words and deeds talking about a relationship that's alive and that's growing and one in which you are learning more about your God, learning to trust him more, learning to uh, leave things to him, learning to say, not my will but yours be done. In a time of trial, as you draw near to that God, the God of peace, as you focus on his grace to you in Christ Jesus, as you pour out your heart to him, the result is that His peace stands guard over your heart and your mind. If you don't know God's peace in the midst of situations that the world gets anxious about, then ask yourself some questions. Is my faith in Him? Is my focus on His kingdom? Or is it on myself and what I want to do? Have I come near to God in reverent prayer? Am I specific? Am I thankful when I pray? Paul started in, in this uh, little section of Philippians with coming to God for what he would do. But he finishes with what we do. God. Paul has said in Philippians chapter 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, the Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He has begun this little section by saying, Rejoice in what you know about God. Rejoice and let other people see your gentle, moderate, patient spirit because the Lord is near. Bring him all your requests, all your anxieties. Don't worry about anything. Come to the God who is able to do the impossible. Come to the God to whom nothing is too big. Come to that God and trust that he will do all that is necessary. And then um, he will guard your heart and your mind. That God's peace, the um, peace that passes all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, um, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then he's going to go on to say, finally, brethren, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the god of peace will be with you we come to god on the basis of who he is and paul now moves on to what we must do what should be the habit of our life practice these things Keep on doing these things continually. Paul starts with coming to God for what he would do, but he finishes with what we do on a daily basis, how we go about renewing our minds. God always involves us in the work of sanctification, and this is what this is. This is the way that God is setting us apart, making us like Christ. He is giving us the means to come to him and to choose to surrender our minds and our bodies to him. If we do this as a habit of life, then we don't really have to choose to rejoice. Rejoicing becomes almost second nature. Our gentle spirit is known to all and we live consciously in the presence of the Lord who is near us all the time. That means when we're living like this, when we're doing what Paul says, we can, uh, when we become anxious, we can easily assess whether this is from unbelief and we are able to fight with the good, true, honourable things that we have already filled our mind with. But see what Paul says we must dwell on these things, not simply read them, but meditate on them, let them take root, let them find a home in our minds and hearts, and then. When the enemy attacks with whatever sort of anxiety or worry that he's going to bring, we will be ready to do what 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3-5 tells us. We will be ready to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Many believers today don't realise that we are individually and as a church involved in warfare. Those who do understand the, uh, who don't understand the seriousness of the battle, don't don't know how to fight, and they try to use human methods to defeat the enemy, and those methods are doomed to fail. When um, uh, we read in the Old Testament about a wonderful example of this, Joshua in chapter six, um, Joshua uh, and his army are about to take Jericho, and um, uh, what god tells them to do would look absolutely ridiculous to anybody else Uh, they were told to march around jericho for a week the spectators the people in jericho must have thought they were mad and um but nonetheless joshua and the jews trusted god and obeyed his orders and they brought down the high walls of jericho and conquered the enemy And Paul shows us here that through our prayers, God transforms, he changes things and we know his peace. Not that our circumstances necessarily change, but our attitudes and our fears are changed and removed. As we do our part, he's saying here in Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, etc. And that's exactly the same as he's told us in Romans 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We are to renew our minds. We are to make a deliberate consecration of our mind to think only on these things, to fill our minds with the word of God, to fill our minds with those things that are good, with those things that are pure, true, honourable, right, lovely, of good repute. Fill your mind with the word of God and God will work within you, destroying what Second Corinthians ten says: uh, speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Can you see how the Scripture ties together? We are Second Corinthians ten three to five tells us we are to hold every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and in that way we destroy speculation and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. But the way we do that, the way we did do the destroying is that we have already renewed our mind we have renewed our minds with the word of God we have chosen deliberately to concentrate on the word of God to fill our minds with the truth and not to allow ourselves to be conformed to this world and God is showing us here that this peace of God that passes all understanding involves our heart and our mind and our will we have to understand that thoughts are real and powerful and we have to bring them into line with the will of God this is the battle that rages in our minds even today Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast on him That is a a deliberate activity to keep your mind steadfast on God, to keep your mind steadfast on the truth of God. And Paul here spells out in detail the things we should think about as Christians. Whatever is true, Satan is a liar, John 8 verse 44, and he wants to corrupt our minds with his lies. That's just the reality has God really said is the way He approaches us just as He approached Eve, the Holy Spirit is the one who controls our mind through truth, but the devil tries to control them through lies whenever we believe a lie, Satan takes over the only way that we cannot believe the lie is to fill our minds with the truth there's a, a I heard a long time ago about um, how they trained used to train bank tellers um at the counter to recognise counterfeit money. And uh, they would send them away for three months and the uh, people who were being trained did not pick up one counterfeit note. They just spent three months touching, smelling, tasting even uh, real money, (coughs) excuse me. And in that way, after three months, even if a counterfeit note came under their nose, they would know it, they would know it whatsoever things are true that's why he being begins with truth because satan and the world comes at us with lies and we have to know the truth in order to fight back and then he goes on whatever is honest and just this means worthy of respect and right it doesn't mean that we hide our heads in the sand and avoid what's unpleasant um, but it does mean that we focus our attention on um, on honourable things and we allow them to control our thoughts you see that the truth is in the um, when Ro- Paul writes in Romans 12 do not be conformed to this world the actual Greek in the original language it means you are being conformed to the world every moment you have to put a stop to it I think that's what we don't understand. We think that somehow we're, we're in, a, in a vacuum, our mind is in a vacuum, but it isn't. Everything in our world is seeking to conform us to its purpose. What we hear, what we see, um, what we read, every single thing in our world is is trying to fix us into its mold and we have to put a stop to that and that means we have to deliberately put into our mind the truth and the truth is only found in the word of god so we have to put in the truth and then we have to think about it we have to think about those things that are worthy of respect we have to think about those things that are pleasing to god that are about his will and we must choose not to think about the other things. He's going to go on whatever is pure, lovely, and of good report. Pure probably means moral purity. Um, because when Paul was writing just the same now we are constantly bombarded with sexual temptation and um, and so we have to be deliberate in this thing whatever is lovely means beautiful attractive a good repute a report means worth talking about or appealing can you see what Paul's saying you can't allow your mind to drift you have to deliberately choose what you think about now that takes effort and it takes practice um and you have to fill your mind with the thoughts of God as he has revealed them in his word. Whatever possesses virtue and praise, no Christian can afford to waste time on thoughts that tear you down. Don't allow the lies to come in whenever you hear something. Either someone says it or your mind brings back a, a, a voice from your past or a thought from your past that is um, is 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 bringing you down and not building you up you have to say I am not standing for that you have to come fight back with the word of God what is the truth about you as a believer the truth is that you are not who you were you are a new creation in Christ Jesus the old is gone and the new has come that's second Corinthians chapter five The truth about you is that you have been covered in the righteousness of Christ, that he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's verse 21 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The truth is that you are a new person. You are a child of God. You are beloved in God the Father and being kept for Jesus Christ. That's Jude verse 1. The truth is that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man and God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear but will always provide a way of escape for you so that you can endure it that's first corinthians 10 13 the truth is that he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion on the day of christ jesus that's philippians 1 verse 6 you have to fight the negative thoughts that come into your head the voices from your past you must fight them with the word of God you must choose to put the truth into your mind and do everything that you can to lay hold of that truth for yourself you need to pray you need to meditate on those truths you need to repeat them to yourselves I am a child of God I am someone whom God loves I am someone who is being kept for Jesus Christ I am someone who will never be forsaken, who will never be left alone. These things are important because all of our life, our past, our present, all of that, all of the world is coming at us with all sorts of lies and all sorts of uh, unworthiness and impurity. And it's trying to get us to spend time on thinking about those things. We cannot allow ourselves to be thinking about anything that uh, pulls us down. Um, And the reason that Paul's saying about think about these things, the reason that he's spending time on this is that Paul knows that as we think, so we live. As we think, so we live. And that's why he's saying whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are true, honorable, right, pure, think on these things things you can't separate outward action from your inward attitude unbelief always results in uneasiness and anxiety and and belief and faith will always result in peace knowing who you believe in knowing who he is will bring peace into your soul it will enable you to stand and to stand firm no matter the circumstances of your life Fill your mind with the truth of God. Fill your mind with it. And Paul says in these verses that, in verse 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Can you see what he does? What he's saying is, you've learned this from me. So you've read it. You, We've read it now in the word. We've learned that from Paul, but we have to receive it for ourselves. You must receive it Things you've heard, you have to actually see. So it's important how we live. We can't just speak what we think. We must actually live and be seen to live the way that we profess to believe. The way that we start to live for Christ is that we lay hold of all the promises of Christ for ourselves. So do you think on the truth of God? Thanks for listening. Do Be you sure to check it, out our website at the2k for more information and events of and it? series like this. Or are you finding your mind full of other things and, and, and therefore you're giving room for anxiety and fear to flourish in you? There are a whole host of fears, rejection, fear of failure, fear of loss, fear of a lack of provision, fear of pain, fear of a lack of control. And all of those fears grip our hearts and rob us of the peace of Christ. Make it your business to deliberately do as Paul advises. Do it for a month and write down the results. Choose today on whatever day you're listening to this podcast to do what Paul says, to think on those things that are true, honourable, right, pure, lovely, etc. Decide to fill your mind with the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus. Decide that you will bring your anxieties to God. That you will bring every specific request, every supplication. And you will do it with thanksgiving because you believe that God not only hears you, but that he cares about you. And write down those requests. Write down those requests as you go along. And see the results after a month. God has promised. He has promised that those who put their trust in Him will never be disappointed. Our choice is: Do we believe Him? I think at one of the uh, earlier podcasts on this, I said that uh, Jesus, uh, when He is walking um, in Jerusalem, I think a man comes to Him and asks Him to heal his daughter, and uh, and Jesus says, "You know, if you have enough faith, if you if you believe." And the man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I think that perhaps that's true of all of us. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. If you're facing unbelief, if you are realising as I'm talking, as you're looking at your life, as you're praying that there is unbelief in you, confess it before the Lord. He knows it anyway. Bring it before him. Confess that unbelief, ask him to forgive you and know that he will forgive you and purify you from the unrighteousness of unbelief. Fill your mind with the truth. Make a decision today that you will do it. Write out your prayers, start a journal, start recording what you're talking to God about and start recording his answers. And then in a month, look back over your journal and see what great and mighty things the Lord has done for you. Father thank you that um, that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Thank you that all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Thank you Father that you who began a good work in us will see it through to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Help us Lord, help us we pray to fill our minds with the truth of your word, to fill our minds with the truth of who you are, that we might stand firm In Jesus' name and for his glory. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Desiring Truth, go to desiringtruth.org.uk where you can find out about future events and more podcasts. God bless.